Hello, welcome to the first episode of the Slightly Unstable Podcast. I'm Taylor. I'm Kate. Thank you so much for joining us on episode one. Um, Kate, I think we should start off by kind of talking about a little bit of what we had planned for this podcast. You had kind of shared with me that you had listened to some podcasts that were discussing anxiety and you weren't thrilled with what you found. Yes, I am tired of this self-help stuff. Um, I help myself enough. Um, I do therapy. I'm on medication. I don't need like the how to woo-saw myself in the car, whatever. I just need I just need something to be real about anxiety and just be able to like joke and have dark humor about it because it sucks. And there's literally nothing that I've been able to find, I should say, um, out there that just says like, hey, like listen to this stupid stuff. Because whenever I find somebody else that has anxiety and I compare like, oh, yeah, because I can be very open about it. And someone's like, oh, my gosh, I do that, too, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, why don't people talk about that more? I'm just like, oh, well, like, do you pray about it? Or like, I journal, and here's what you need to do. And on this uh, podcast today, we have this world-renowned psychologist or whatever, and I just, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I see my own psychologist. Thank you. Yeah, I can totally understand that. I, so. I, uh, I don't listen to a whole lot of it, specifically anxiety podcasts. Yeah. Um, and if there are some out there that are, are doing this kind of thing, we'd love to hear about it. But <laughs> yes. um, because we'd love to listen. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I do like um, I I do listen to some podcasts sometimes too, where I'm like, okay, the seriousness and the woo woo of this, like, yeah, I'm I'm ready to I'm I'd I'd rather laugh than cry sometimes. Yes, yes. You know what I'm saying? One hundred percent. So that was kind of our initial vision. <clears throat> it kind of started out as a joke. The Kate and I were kind of joking about having our own podcast, and um, it just slowly became something we were seriously talking about, and uh, here we are. And we should tell people our siblings. Oh, right. That's probably a good <laughs> idea. Kate and I are siblings. Um, uh, we um, both, uh, I would say, probably inherited oh, this- Oh, 100%. This, uh, uh, this anxiety that we live with. Um. It, it runs in our family. Uh, For sure. And so it's something that is pretty well documented. Um, so these first couple episodes, we wanted to kind of take a minute to introduce ourselves and spend time talking about each of our history with anxiety and mental health and what we've been through in the past, what we've tried that's worked, what we've tried that hasn't worked, what we tried that worked for a while until it got worse, things like that. <laughs> I've got a couple of those too. Um, and so today, I think the first episode we're going to do here is uh, getting to know Kate a little bit better and her story with anxiety. So uh, with that being said, Kate, um, where do you want to start? First off, by saying we are not professionals. <laughs> so please, <laughs> if anyone listens to this besides mom and dad, um, never take any of this as medical advice. Oh, right. Or- yeah. Any kind of professional advice. No. It's like the last thing you want to listen to. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe we should do that TikTok trend where it's like, my shirt's from Target. My pants are from Old Navy. <laughs> my size in Aquarius. And my antidepressants are Lexapro and Wellbutrin. Yeah, we can kind of do our, uh, our, our list our traumas. Like, I get this crippling anxiety from when I was a kid. Yes, yeah. Um, um, 
Um, yeah, it kind of hit head for me, like, senior year of high school. I didn't really, or actually, no, I remember my first panic attack was when you were in Romania, and I had that, I thought you knew this, um, Taylor had gone on a mission trip to Romania, and I had to dream that Frank, our pastor at the time, had to tell all of the families that you guys were taken hostage. And this oh, is the wow. same year that you jerk holes were prank calling me. Oh, okay. So I do slightly remember this, <laughs> but I didn't find out obviously this about it until I came downfall. home from being 3,000 miles away. I had nothing to do. Some <laughs> friends of ours, including one who ended up becoming Kate's who husband. Who is now my husband, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know at the time. Was He's like, yeah, prank calling Kate about about this. And I, I think out of effect that they didn't understand what was well, actually... no, I mean, I didn't even know what was happening. Yeah, so anyways, I wake up so, from a nap. We... I'm sorry. Before we keep going, you didn't have any anxiety before? No, I mean, I did looking back, but this was like my first like panic attack where kind of I like noticed it. it. Yeah. yeah, and like actually said something to mom. Um, I woke up from a nap and like had the heart racing, jitters, like deep breathing, all that stuff. And I kind of just told mom like, Dude, I just had this dream, blah, blah, blah. And Mom essentially was like, welcome to the world of anxiety. Like, oh, yeah, that was a panic attack, whatever. And I was just like, oh, man, like, whatever. And honestly, didn't think twice about it. And then I probably had a couple more where I was, it was while I was sleeping, and I woke up like that, and I knew what was going on at that time. Obviously, I was just like, man, I had another panic attack. <laughs> and then I one of the first, like, panic anxiety attacks I remember having I was it, I was in college it was like freshman year all of y'all at work and I was at home studying and I just remember I was just staring at like my open like notebook of notes and just busted out crying and I just was like overwhelmed I was for sure that I was gonna fail that test like all like whatever and I mean to me I'm just like well that's normal that's what you do in college or whatever. You freak out about tests. You have anxiety over tests, blah, blah, blah. Even though I was a great student and great test taker. Um, I put all that pressure on myself, by the way. But we could talk about that at a later date. Um, and so I remember that and then, like, telling mom. And she was just like, well, you know, like, you do. Like, you really need to talk to somebody. You need to tell your doctor, blah, blah, blah. And I honestly pushed it off because I was just like, nah, I'm fine. Like, it's just normal, whatever. And then when I finally did talk to my um, gynecologist about it, because that was who mom had always gone to, um, he was like, it's okay to be nervous about a test, but you shouldn't be doing that. And that's when I was like, oh, oh, okay, well, yeah, then yeah, that's an issue. Um, so that was when I started anxiety medicine, like a SSRI for anybody who knows that. Um, and then it, honestly, it just kind of snowballed and got worse so I guess the easiest way to explain it was like the big picture of my anxiety that started snowballing of like getting worse as I got older more frequent more things were triggering blah 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 and then with each individual attack that snowball like the snowball was rolling faster if that makes sense mm, like I yeah. could go from like zero to sixty within like five minutes and then it was four minutes and three minutes and yeah. then it was like taking 20 seconds um, and that's where I'm at today. <laughs> um, so now I guess to start with now, I'm on two anxiety medications. 
I see a therapist. I regularly check in with my psychiatrist. Um, I handle it a lot more than you do, sir, calling you out. Well, yeah, we'll get there. (laughs) We're dead opposite in how we handle our anxiety, probably. Maybe. I I guess we'll discover that. Yeah. So looking back, you had said that, like, that moment was kind of the watershed. Like, that moment of, like, this is when I realized that something was wrong. Yeah. Um, But you said looking back before that, like, as a kid or Mm -hmm. because I can tell you in kindergarten when I had the panic attacks. Yeah. Um, Um, So I didn't know if you had a similar experience, like, just. No, it's all, like, hindsight now. Right. It's all completely right. hindsight. So, like, looking back now, what can you see back when you were a kid that you were like, oh, this was a warning sign? So, um, I remember when I think mom quit her pre-K job because I wasn't in pre-K anymore. Mm-hmm. So, our mom always just that. kind of followed us around at schools and subbed and did whatever. Um, room mom, all those things. So, I was starting elementary school, and our mom had quit her pre-K job, and I remember thinking that we were going to be homeless because mom didn't have a job anymore, you know? And so just to be clear, our dad always made more than enough. My mom could have stayed at home forever and it would have been fine. Um, But in my mind, I remember thinking like, that's a giant issue. Oh my gosh, mom's quitting, blah, blah, blah. And I remember mom and dad having to sit down and tell me like it was fine, blah, blah, blah. And I remember getting stomach aches and stuff. Um, And then... I remember I told my therapist the other day, you know how mom and dad always make fun of me because I never wanted to go on the interstate? Yeah. Um, Because one time, I think I had a stomach ache on the interstate. God, I was probably freaking out because the car is going fast or something or other. And so then I never wanted to go on the interstate again, but it was only because I was anxious because I was going to get a stomach ache. And then because I was so anxious, I was getting a stomach ache, if that makes sense. Right, like a vicious cycle. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was scared. I was sick, like... Then that would snowball. Um, I remember when dad changed jobs. Yeah. Um, so you were, that was in like 06. So I was. No, in, it was because I was in middle school by then. Dad changed jobs probably the end of elementary school. Um, I don't fully know. It was either 05 or 06, which would have been the end of elementary school. Uh, yeah. Um, so I freaked out then. Um, cause I thought again that things were bad. Like why did dad switch jobs? And it was actually like a huge, great move in his career looking back, obviously. And he was making more money and it was completely fine. Um, but I remember that freaking me out. And then of course, um, our mom's mom got sick and she lived with us. And I remember her moving in and like being sick and having to see that and the like decline in her health. And then mom had to stay down south with her for, like, a month. And then just all that, like, instability and stuff. I remember that being another issue. And it all just came front in, like, stomach aches. And I remember mm-hmm. I would always go to the doctor or always go to the nurse at school and say I had a stomach ache. And then eventually mom caught on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess, yeah, so hindsight, it would be that. I remember randomly walking in hallways and having, like, bursts of energy where I feel like I had to just, like, Ugh like i don't know squeeze my fists and uh, um so i don't that was probably built up like that nervous energy yeah. that i learned about in therapy um yeah but then honestly when i went through puberty 
already a I've probably uh, already suppressed all time. of that. <laughs> yeah, already a terrible time in everyone's life. Yeah, so um, God knows what I did then. I think I don't even think my head had a brain at that point. So, um, but yeah, but then probably sixteen on, I started. That was when I started picking up things yeah. like in high school, and which is common apparently when you're in that late high school, early college age for it to start to come to a head front. Um, but there wasn't anything. I mean, we grew up in a stable home. You know, we both were blessed enough to not have any abuse or any type of abuse. Everything was always good. Um, like I told my therapist on Wednesday, I was like, no, it's just all in my head. It's just the, my brain that's messed up. It's not my external. I don't have any external traumas that are <laughs> causing all of this. I mean, obviously we have our own little things, but... Um, which you don't have to have any of that to be dealing with any kind of mental health, obviously. Um, right. Um, you know, I think you mentioned before that throughout the course of your adult life, you slowly started having, well, not having to, but you added in these other, th- like, treatments. <laughs> so, like, you started off on medication, and then when did therapy come into play? Oh, yes. Okay, so the big kind of crescendo in my anxiety was so when I started medication and I sought help it was right before we got married um then everything was good honestly I was on like a low dose and it wasn't monitored correctly blah 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 I was in school it was good whatever um then I had my daughter Blair at the end of 2018 and Honestly, when I was pregnant, I had zero anxiety, which was like really? weird. Yeah. yeah, but every like I never was concerned for her. Like I never was worried about what's gonna happen. I had zero anxiety. Um, and then she comes out, and <laughs> um, two months before she was born, I got into a car wreck, mm-hmm. and it was my fault. Um, I rear-ended like two people or something it was just a hot mess and so that was in September of 2018 Blair was born in November and then mid-December I got served papers at my house um and so I already have all these hormones that are crazy from pregnancy and labor and delivery all that is trying to set out and then I get served papers at our house and I was already scared that I was going to get sued because it went back to that like they're going to take everything from me type of thing right um so what's what's <laughs> those situations to me are always awful with anxiety because oh, yeah. we already <clears throat> will find the worst outcome and spiral around it forever yes but in 99 times that is not how it works out right like it's always nowhere near as bad as we make it out to be yeah but sometimes <laughs> You do get served the papers. Right. And that was where I was because I remember like Which in is September. awful for like dealing with it. Yes. Yeah. I was like, I could have paid the guy myself just to not have to go through all of that stuff yeah. that just on my mental health alone. Um, so anyways, I dealt. So after that, I had panic attacks revolving around that specific thing, probably like three times a week. Um, and it was just horrible. I got to a point where, like, Blair was still newborn. Hunter was back at work. And I couldn't spend a shift day. Because my husband's a fireman. I couldn't spend a shift day by myself. 
Like, I would have to come over here or have mom come down to our house because, and I would never admit it. I think Hunter ended up telling mom that I just couldn't be by myself. But I would just spiral. I would just be sitting there and just, I would be perfectly fine. And then you hear one thing in your head and you're just, and then I'm having a panic attack. Yeah. Um, so eventually that summer, I just got to a point where I was like, if I'm going to be a mom, like I have to be, I have to be fully there. I have to take care of myself. So I went to therapy and it did a million, a billion times help. Um, they don't handle like counseling. They don't handle medication but she did say like you know if you've been on this medication for this long and you're still having this type of like panic then you need to see somebody else so I saw a psychiatrist Mm -hmm. um and then that just kind of set me that it got me past the car wreck stuff um and then I was like able to delve in a little bit of just normal anxiety and like my day-to-day stuff and so now I took a break off of therapy, and then now I'm starting back with a new therapist um, just to handle kind of the day-to-day stuff. I told her, like, everything in my life is perfectly fine, but something can happen, and my heart will still instantly, like, drop to my butt. And I was like, I just need help with that. You know, this is just like, it's more like the clinical side of anxiety, not just like the whole big picture of, like, life is hard right now Mm -hmm. kind of thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, like you said, the day-to-day, like the normal stuff <clears throat> that we encounter on a daily basis. Yeah. And, I mean, it's stupid stuff, but she actually taught me a lot. We've only met once, but essentially, my f- obviously, that flight, fight, or freeze response is, like, triggering first. And then my, the front part of my brain is thinking, like, oh, you're right, we're in danger. And then so it just kind of cycles like that. So um, she did point out, though, so I told her essentially everything I said here. She did point out that it sounded like my some of my triggers and a lot of this stuff focused around something happening to the people I love and care about and stability, mm, whether yeah. it be like financial stability, I guess, for like relationship, relational stability. Um, so I can't wait to explore that and see what we can dig up <laughs> and try to go through that. Yeah. All that jazz. So. Yeah, I noticed that too when you were talking. Like you mentioned, uh, mom, mom changing jobs, dad changing jobs, uh, big life change events, like things like that, or then like specifically the car wreck, like you know, not knowing how that was going to end up or be handled or 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 whatever else was going to happen with that. Um, yeah, I can definitely. Which is surprising that like through your pregnancy you didn't have because. You didn't have any anxiety because a lot of people, a lot of women deal with oh, yeah. serious anxiety through pregnancy. Like women who have not dealt with anxiety before all of a sudden will have. Yeah. Like I've, I've several friends who went through that. Yeah. I don't know if that was just like my God given break. He's like, you panic <laughs> normal. So we'll just flip the script on you a little bit. I on Yeah. I was good. I was good. And it wasn't even just about pregnancy, like, with her being pregnant. I, like, nothing was triggering me. Like, normal stuff was not triggering me. Work was fine. Everything was fine. All that jazz. Um, And then, obviously, there was some missed diagnosis on, like, postpartum anxiety. Sure. So, this is just crap that you have to deal with as a woman. They give you a questionnaire at the hospital. 
and they li- it's like six questions and they say like have you ever thought about hurting yourself have you thought about hurting the baby have you thought about hurting like your significant other blah 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 and then if you say no they're just like oh, okay good I'll just keep an eye on it. That's all they do for mental health after pregnancy. Yeah. And you have this insane rush of, like, hormones and emotions and all this stuff that our our body is, like, trying to figure out as it's healing itself in other ways. And they act like you have to be threatening to drive yourself off a cliff to, like, diagnose anything. I've I've had similar experiences. Like, it's not even just in that situation. Yeah. Now... <clears throat> in the past several years, you know, they, or at least my doctor does, they give you a questionnaire, mm-hmm. uh, a mental health questionnaire, like a screener. And you have to fill out the survey about how you're feeling and blah, blah, blah. And uh, we'll get into this when we get into my story. But the one of the times I went there specifically to talk to my doctor about anxiety, uh, <laughs> I filled out the screener and he basically was like, well, this looks fine. Um, right. Well, you know, uh, you know, everybody deals with a little bit of a little, little bit, bit of stress, a little bit of stress, but uh, it seems like you're managing it well. All right. Anyway, like in, right. And and this this was the same guy that I said, and again we'll get into this later. But I was like, I'm not handling it well. Right. I'm struggling really hard. I need help. I was wanting to talk to you today about getting on some kind of medication, and his response to me was. Uh, well, what have you done in the past? And I said, well, in the past I've used like deep breathing and some other things. And he goes, well, I'd prefer you keep trying to do that. I don't like giving prescriptions like that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Oh and left God. completely empty handed. And it really? was years later before I actually started oh. taking medication. Well, yeah, that's just the BS on its own. But yeah, yeah I remember talking to my therapist at the time and, she was saying, I mean, obviously, the media, if you, if anybody says postpartum depression, you immediately think of the mom that filled all of her kids in the van and, like, drove into a mountain yeah. or something. And they don't ask you, like, okay, well, no, like, I don't think about harming myself. I don't think about harming my baby. But I've already had, had like, three panic attacks because she's not latching. Or, right. like, I've already am freaking out because I don't know, like, what to do or all this stuff. And, no, I'm not handling it well. But just because you're not an immediate threat, they're like, oh, you're good. And then yeah. th- they literally just tell the significant other, like, you know, just watch out for mom's emotions. And she might get upset. Right. And it's like, so no. generic. Yeah. Which, yeah. And I can say, like, I have, like, Hunter is has always been that, like, safe person for me. And so marrying him, it just made it easier. And he was on top of it. Like, he made me go back and get my medicine upped until I could get it figured out. Like, all this stuff. He was the one that made me go to therapy. Not made me, encouraged me to go to therapy. Everything under the sun. So That's good. You know, yeah. Because God only knows where I would be if I had stayed around with some other boyfriends. (laughs) (laughs) And married them. That's a hard pass. Um. So, Kate, in 2021, how's all that working now? Like, you, you talk about your day-to-day. How's your day-to-day, like, now? Um, day-to-day is pretty good. The, what I still, like I said, I still have, I'll be perfectly fine. And then if something gets exposed to me that I have yet to fully figure out what those triggers are, um, 
something gets exposed to me and it freaks me out, then it takes a bit to calm back down. Um, Mm -hmm. My brain jumps to that like horrible situation. Um, So I always like the first thing I tell my therapist because I've gone through three now. Um, Actually, I remember doing this in high school too. I'll see a freckle and I fully convinced myself I have melanoma. And yeah. I remember asking mom about this one freckle on my boob. And she was like, Kate, it's fine. It's fine. It's normal. And I'll be like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I just go up to my room and just stare at it even more. Yeah. Um, and so, it, I mean, that would be like with Blair, I would think, oh gosh, what if she gets sick? You know what? And then, like, you know what? We probably end up having to take her to the hospital. And I don't think I could be able to handle her in the hospital. And what if, blah, blah, blah. And it's always the what ifs. And a lot of right. it it's also is like self confidence because a lot of it comes from I don't think I'm able to handle it. Yeah. Um, but as I go to therapy and we do this, it'll be <laughs> interesting to see how I talk it out. Yeah. Um, I, it's so funny yeah. you're mentioning the, the freckle <laughs> thing because I do remember a time. Like, as you talked about, like late high school, early college, where I feel like, I'm not calling you out, but I feel like you were turning into hypochondriac. Like, you were full on, like, there was something new every week. Yeah. Like, but then, like, when you would have legitimate issues, like, I know you had your tonsils out around that time. That was something that actually needed to happen. Yeah. But I remember thinking about, like, Kate's just playing about her throat, you know. Right. Well, I Um, understand. I mean, it's like, essentially the boy who cried wolf yeah you're right um and because that's not how my anxiety manifests yeah i didn't understand it um you also had uh radial tunnel syndrome Mm -hmm. uh and you had you had a surgery on it on your elbow yeah like two um yeah so like that happened around that same time yeah right it was like freshman year freshman year, yeah so like high school on Mm -hmm. um but yeah there was a time when i remember coming home like because i'm in college at the time right and i remember coming home and just being like you upset about a new a new thing <laughs> my new self-diagnosis yeah. and like you know people always joke about webmd i didn't need webmd to tell me i had cancer and i was dying i just told myself <laughs> <laughs> it was um, perfectly made perfect sense no i remember like i had some i have some like esophagus issues i get food stuck yeah whatever um and i but i remember it just like kept bothering me and I like, I was at Chat Tech at this time, and I had told myself, like you probably have esophageal cancer, just like Kim <laughs> Kardashian's dad. Here we go, and you know oh it's God. just like BS that I would tell yeah. myself. But yeah. and it sounds, it sounds so silly, and luckily I do hear a lot of my rational brain. Like you do have the two sides of your brain, you know. Um, or the front part of your brain is the rational and then near your brainstem is unfortunately the part that does the flight or flight. Yeah. And I would, I know it was stupid, you yeah. know, and I would tell myself, and I'm not saying that in a way to beat myself up because my therapist would be like, oh no, it's not stupid. And I'm like, no, it's it, like, I know I'm being ridiculous. Not, I not know even I'm being ridiculous. Illogical. It's completely Ill- illogical, illogical, irrational, all that jazz. Yeah. Um, but then you couldn't tell me otherwise, you know? Right. And so, um, so yeah, and, and I don't, obvious, I, that somehow has to come from granny being sick yeah. and like, and so our grandma passed away when I was like nine. Yeah. 
-hmm. And then her husband, our grandpa, had passed away when I was, like, six from a heart attack. And that was sudden. So Mm -hmm. we lost two grandparents within, like, three years. And so surely something from there, you know, and all. I think so, too. Um, Because, I mean, like, and then I would grow up and then, like, all my friends would have all their grandparents. And we only had, like, one. Yeah. You know? And then I was just like, man, like, we went through a lot of, like, of that medical something went wrong and it took them out kind of deal you know that like i mean we went to a lot of funerals as a kid we did like it seemed like we were in south georgia every other weekend yeah for some kind of funeral and so i guess it just i don't know yeah that that definitely could be a source of the like you said the medical stuff specifically and you were talking about the 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 rational side versus the irrational side Mm -hmm. and i'm curious to see your opinion on this um I have this for different reasons, but same thing with me. I have an irrational side and a rational side. Right. When you're on medication, do you feel like, because I feel like this is true for me, do you feel like what the medication is really doing is just giving your rational side a chance to speak? Um, Because for me, it feels like when I'm not on it, and something happens, my irrational side is so loud, I can't ignore it. It's like someone's screaming in your ear. Oh, yeah. But when I'm on medication, it feels like it feels like just two sides of a like of a normal conversation. Right, right. And um, the irrational gets like it quiets down faster mm-hmm. and all that jazz. Yeah. Um, but you, mister have been wavering on your medication. I have. So I wouldn't know even tell you because the minute they put me I'm on, back on it now. Since May 2015, I haven't stopped. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm fully, like, I'm good. I'm not one of those people that's like, I'm going to take myself off of it and yeah. see how I do. No, I'm committed. Yeah. I'm fully committed. And I, I started out that way. Um, <clears throat> this, is, this is a whole rabbit hole we can go in for <laughs> when we get to my story. But, um, um, Side effects started becoming an issue for me, like okay, yeah. specifically the tiredness. Like, oh. And I know you said you had a little bit of that, and well, Bre- well, Beatrin really helped you out. It completely zapped it. Okay. Well, I need to I need to get on that. I told you that. I'm, I'm due for a check-in anyway with the person I see now. Um, not the dude who told me he wasn't going to prescribe me anything, in case you're wondering. I'm not seeing that guy anymore. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, so do you see a psychiatrist? I don't. I... Ugh. My my side is going to end up being so much longer because I have so many failed attempts of taking care of it that, like, it's ridiculous. I tried I to get an appointment with a psychiatrist before I was ever on medication or anything. Mm-hmm. And they told me it was this. I called. I had called in, like, late July, early August. And they called. They told me to call back in October. <laughs> and they might have an opening for me then. Oh my gosh! Well, you know that wasn't the only psychiatrist I know. around. And, but I called a few, and like it was, I was getting like a similar kind of runaround. So I was like, "Well, oh well." Yeah, no. Like, and, and here's the other thing for me too. You put me on the spot, so I'm defending myself now. Yeah, um, sure. I have a major. Uh, I don't even know what you would call it, but if I know I need to call and. <laughs> change my address on my banking account something dumb and easy i have this weird anxiety about it just talking to people on the phone not even like you know me like 
I worked for a church for 10 years. I can talk to whoever I need to talk to. You literally sang in front of I know. Groups. It's not like a performance thing or a yeah. like a nervousness thing. It's just like this. It's an avoidance thing. Okay. It's this avoidance thing of like, and I'm this way with a lot of stuff of if I think something might go wrong, then I just would rather just avoid it. Altogether. Oh, yeah. I talked about that in therapy on Wednesday. Oh, I would so much rather just avoid it. Um <laughs> And we'll get into the <laughs> the ins we'll and outs of that We'll figure out why later time. on. Yeah, but um, uh, but so like it already took so much for me to like even pick up the phone and call someone. Yeah. That to then be told, oh, I don't know, call back in a couple months. Maybe we'll have an opening then. He's really busy. Yeah. I I just felt defeated, so I just hung up the phone and never called back. Well, um, I mean, you fully know better right now. So. Oh yeah, again. This isn't rational. This isn't logical. <laughs> so Monday, I expect you <laughs> no to to call. Well, uh, yeah, and we'll get into my search for a therapist uh, yes. next time too, because I have like some specific things that I want to be able to, to talk about. That yeah. Um, Kate and I live in the Bible Belt. Yes. Kate and I live in Georgia. Yeah. Um, we love Georgia. At least I love Georgia. I love living here. Yeah, I um, love peaches. <laughs> my peach is down um, in georgia yeah <laughs> and we uh but there are certain things when it comes to finding a therapist it's easy to stumble upon a christian therapist which if that's what if that's what works for you and helps you and that's the worldview you want then by all means do that right uh however uh, a lot of the triggers and a lot of the trauma quote-unquote trauma that i kind of deal with now as an adult yeah stems from how much time i spent in the church i'm not saying that as an anti-christian thing i still consider myself a christian yeah yeah but but there's there was just a lot of unhealthy stuff going on well Um, i think it's healthy to be secular in that kind of sense yeah like i i want i want a scientific secular world like trained research peer-reviewed approach to therapy i don't necessarily and that's my opinion again if you're listening to this and you want uh you know a christian counselor a christian you know pastoral counseling whatever works for you and keeps you going every day then no god bless but you know for for me and k2 i i want that secular approach and i would say too that I have done a little research on therapists who specialize in uh, recovering from religion, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, there's a word for it. I can't yeah. remember what it was. I'm not sure. But um, so there's some, you know, I've reached out to one or two and haven't heard back. So <laughs> again, I don't know what the deal is with me. And I just, think you're setting yourself I'm, up for failure. I'm picking some, some I'm picking some losers. Some apparently. doozies. No, I think it's important, you know, in my mind, I'm in the medical field, and so I am heavy on scientific-based research, scientific-based blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm not the kind of person, I'm the kind of person where I'm like, you know, some people are like, I don't want to take medicine for X, Y, and Z reasons, you know, and some people say that they'll just pray to God to heal them. And that's okay, but then I'm the kind of person that's like, well, I think God made this stuff 
for us. Sure. I think God made this person so they could do this research, so they could do this medicine, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think especially what's triggering for me about it that I did not want, if I read a bio about a therapist on psychology today and they were like somehow including some kind of like scriptures or crap in it, um, because I don't know how many times people have told me over the years, well, have you prayed about it oh. as much as you've worried about oh, it? Oh, God. The and one I'm nice like, Becky, yes. <laughs> yes. I've dry heaved over it more yeah. than I've thought about it. Like, <laughs> back off. Yeah. Okay? Because then that just goes on to the psychological of like, like when we were more involved in church, it was like, well, yeah, I've prayed about it. And then it's like, makes you feel like you're about Christian. And then makes uh. you think like, okay, well, I guess God just wants me to hang out in this self-demise impending doom and all this stuff and then you know you read it on every tj Maxx notepad but it's oh, like yeah. god won't give you what you can't handle oh we could <laughs> save i'm writing that down um empty platitudes because oh yes that is a future episode idea right yes there. nothing we should go to tj Maxx nothing. and write down every phrase oh we, see. we we should we'll do a research trip yes to go out and do some, we'll stop by a Lifeway Christian books if those yes. even still exist. And this is no hate on Christianity because no. we're Christian. Yeah, like I, yeah, I still consider myself still Christian. There are probably people who, if they heard my views on things, probably wouldn't consider me a Christian. Right. But still, uh, the empty platitudes are yes. sickening, uh, especially yeah. when you think about how it keeps people in a cycle of not getting treatment, not yes. taking care of themselves. And it just and and as someone who was stuck in that wheel for a long time, mm-hmm. it's it's totally crippling. It's damaging. It's yes. totally crippling. Like it just completely destroys any chance you have of of clawing your way out of that hole. Yeah, I mean that's um, why it took me a while to get help because I'm yeah. like, oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. Like I'll just put oh, yeah. on some Christian music and whatever, and yeah. then mm, no. And you know the thought is somehow. <laughs> fairy dust will descend from heaven and magically you won't be sad anymore. Right. I'm like, oh, yeah, I prayed about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so that's why we prefer secular people. But yeah. also little, our, our little our little soapbox <laughs> yeah. about secular therapy approaches. Um, but also in the defense of the psychiatrist for medicine, people get weirded out when I tell them, I see a psychiatrist. I remember blurting that out at a restaurant and mom was like, and I'm like, okay, well, I don't care. Yeah. Okay. Um, Because there, of course, the mental health stigma, all that jazz. Oh, yeah. Um, I, and that's, that makes me even more open about it. And that's probably even more why I blurted out. I went to a new psychiatrist today, but you don't go to a cardiologist for your foot, you know? Yeah. You don't go to like a vein specialist because you have a broken toe. Right. You know, and there's so. only so much your general practitioner can do. Absolutely. And I mean, even my gynecologist, they cover anxiety and depression yeah. and stuff like that. But I didn't get like true help set on the right track with my medications, feeling really good, all that jazz until I saw my psychiatrist and he's the coolest man around. Okay. So, um, that's my soapbox for you. Yeah. Well, uh, it's no surprise that you've had your your stuff under a little more control than I've had mine for a while. <laughs> because uh, that's our two completely different personalities. Yeah. Well, also, I'm a little bit 
I'm not quite as far down my path as you are when it comes to dealing with it. Yeah. So. No, it takes a lot of like, um, I don't even want to say self-growth. I guess like self-awareness and self-awareness. Yeah. You have to get in the right mindset. And I'm, I. And since, that was Blair for me. Yeah. That was. I mean, that's where I got that tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> um, getting on medication, I think, was huge for me because, well, for obvious reasons, but also in just allowing my brain to be calm enough to be self-aware. Right. Like, because when you're in that spiral and you're having that episode, right? like everything you're thinking makes perfect sense. Yes. And it's not until, like I said, that, that irrational side calms down and goes to a normal speaking voice that you can even stop and look at him and go, that doesn't make any sense. And, and calm it down and shut it down. Yeah. At least for me. Now I, always would tell my first therapist who was cool as crap but then she kind of ghosted really yes and i adored her you know she was cool and everything maybe she had some stuff going on um i don't fully know i think her husband had like a very important job and they lived Mm. in downtown um atl so i don't know anyways um i would tell her I would be approaching a situation because, you know, anxiety is future. Depression is past. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so I'd be nervous about something in the future. And I was just like, it's the what if, what if, what if, what if. And then you don't know what's going to happen. It's out of my control, blah, blah, blah. And then you get over what feels like a mountain because you have expended so much energy on it. And then you look back and it was just like a small hill. You know what I mean? Like that's constantly what it feels like. And I remember having, when I was like really bad, I would have, like anxiety hangovers like the next day because i cried and like hyperventilated so much that the next day i'm just you got a headache you've got you're exhausted yeah you're just tired you just want to take a nap and um i'm luckily not there anymore i'm so far past that but it's just it's some bullshit yeah for sure i mean no other way to put it but that's why i'm sick of those self-help podcast because (laughs) which are which are well-meaning they're so well-meaning and i get the insight yeah and i get and maybe it's because we don't know important people in the psychology world (laughs) that we have opted for this yeah but i just think there needs to be the realistic stuff behind it you know what i mean yeah um it's just, it just it would always make me feel better because I had to force myself to be more open about it. Not that I ever cared because I can I tend to overshare, whatever <laughs> my job. I have to meet new people all, like every day, all this stuff, and yeah. talking about it more, and then realizing so many other people went through that, and then I just happened to be the first one to speak about it. It's like why don't more people talk about this? Yeah, and you were mentioning earlier the stigma. And it's oh, like the yeah. only way we're going to get past that is if we have, if we normalize conversation. About right. It. Yeah. And I love the memes now. Taylor and I especially love this phrase, the if not, no worries. We wanted to name that our podcast, but it got taken. So we hate anybody who is part of that now. <laughs> <laughs> oh. we, we totally had that patented in our head. Um, anyways, copyright, whatever you want to say. Um but I love that those memes circulate now, and I actually shared some from, like, the New Yorker cartoons last night on Instagram because it was like, hey, Brian, I know you're on vacation, and, like, my desk chair is slowly slipping into, like, hell, but if you don't mind if I could have the day off tomorrow because my dog died, but if not, no worries, I know you're really busy, 
like yeah. love Kate or whatever. I was like, yeah. that's relatable. That's something that I have noticed, and I'm curious to know if you if you notice this too. But uh, we're Kate and I are of the millennial generation. Correct. Um, uh, I don't mind sharing. I'm 31. I'm 27. So something I've noticed about the Gen Z generation mm-hmm. though is they are much more open oh for sure to talking about it than um than i think our generation even is yeah um which it's it's certain every yeah. generation it seems like gets more and more open to it it's more and more normalized yeah sure i mean amen so. well i mean taylor and i will still be in the car with our parents dad not so much because he's just unfazed by everything but mom like if we're like oh yeah i was like spiraling last night or whatever we were talking about on the way to the airport and mom was like because <laughs> we were just talking about our impending doom yeah <laughs> and it makes her uncomfy not that she doesn't like it it's just people never talked about it yeah you know it's a generational thing yeah, yeah. it's generational it's a geographical is that a word could be yeah i mean bible south. belt yeah wish because of those the south is the king of don't talk about it. Just bottle it up. Don't talk about it, boy. Um, Get over it. Yeah. The TJ Maxx notepads. Yeah. Um, and then, gosh, yeah. If I, I, ooh, even just saying that. I know. It makes my skin crawl. The, if you've prayed, or have you worried about uh, it, or prayed about it as much as you worried about it? Yeah, the youth pastor I had. God um, is in control. Okay, well, he better tighten the reins because here we go. Yeah, we're teetering on the edge here, guy. Um, The one that I always heard at the the church I was at in high school was, um, uh, if if you're worried about it, pray about it. And if you prayed about it, don't worry about it. I was like, oh. Oh. Oh, that's all? Oh. That's all I had to do. Well, why didn't, say, why didn't anybody say something oh sooner? Oh, my gosh. I wish I would have thought of that. Oh, well, if I, you mean if I just pray about it, I don't have to worry about it anymore? I gave it to God? Oh. I gave it to God. Oh. Yeah. Oh. It's done. Okay. It's, I'm all better. <laughs> so these anxiety poops are for nothing. <laughs> 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 Which my coworker had never even heard of. And I was like, you oh, are yeah. a blessed soul. Yeah. To have never had to even know what the place of privilege. Anxiety poop. To never are. had an anxiety poop. I was oh, like, are God. you kidding me? And he was like, You're an anxious person. I was like, Why do you think I'm like always talking? <laughs> I was like, I'm literally running on nervous energy. And then when that's done, I just take naps. Yeah. You know, like my social meter is out. That is a big I guess a big um thing with my anxiety. Every every therapist has told me that I have a lot of nervous energy mm-hmm. and um, I have to find healthy ways to just get it out. I can't just journal. I, I just yeah. can't. Yeah. Um, and a good therapist will be like, yeah, girl, that's fine. You don't have to journal. Some people hate that. And like I, my first therapist was like, even if you just like run laps around your house, like you just need to do something to get that out. Um, so that is a big um manifestation of mine i guess and that's why i'm always half bouncing off the wall you got me curious now i wonder if if i also have that because mm-hmm. i don't know how 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 is your nervous energy manifest you talked about earlier about just being in the hallway and just having that like yeah just clenching like when just, i was a kid eh, like yeah and i remember telling my therapist about that and um like for instance 
for at the, we're hanging out at the house and then Hunter asks me five questions in five or in one minute and I get overwhelmed, mm. I'll just all of a sudden start like cleaning everything. Yeah. I'll clean everything. Mm-hmm. And I don't even, there's no rhyme or reason. I'll like halfway sweep, halfway do this, halfway do this, halfway do this. And I just have this like burst of stuff. And then when I'm done with it, I was exhausted. Even if I only spent like 10 minutes on it um, or just anything for like a short amount of time. And then after that, you just feel drained. Mm-hmm. That's like that nervous energy trying to escape. But I'm not like quote-unquote dumping it in a healthy way mm-hmm. um so like one thing i had to work on like because i still can clean i love cleaning because i can clear my head pop my airpods in whatever and i'm just focusing on like one thing to get clean you know mm-hmm. um so that's how i am able to just like come back down i guess you could say but you have to i had to learn to be intentional about it of like okay i'm feeling a little overwhelmed so i'm gonna choose to clean Mm-hmm. And not just feel like I have to clean the you entire have house. To, you have to clean. Yeah. yeah. You know, like that old video where it's like, has to look like Disney all nice in five minutes. <laughs> that <laughs> was me. You know, it's interesting you're bringing that up because <clears throat> I, I saw a TikTok of all things the other day where this person was talking about how her therapist had shared with her that when you don't want to do something, the way mm-hmm. to think about it is is basically you're parenting yourself. Mm. Yeah. So if you're, if your thought is, because like for you, cleaning is something you can do that can be therapeutic in a way. Right. I would be the type of person I'm like, I have to clean. <laughs> and um, although I do sometimes like anxiety clean. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. That does happen to me and I'll talk about that another time. But um, if I'm it like, obviously hasn't hit for a while because I saw your room. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> Just kidding. I didn't see it. <laughs> it's relatively clean. God. Cleaner than it's been. I mean, God, don't look at my house. I say anxiety clean. Please know that everything is half clean. Yeah. Go on. Well, you know, it, it could be anything. It could be cleaning. It could be taking care of yourself. It can be exercising, eating right. Mm-hmm. You know, shoot, it can be waking up and going to work. Yeah. Of, you know, if if you parent yourself in a way of, okay, well, get up. It's time. You have to go. <laughs> Mm-hmm. clean up some you know you're gonna go and clean for 20 minutes and if and then after 20 minutes you can either take a break or you can keep going but it, like it kind of gets you like tricking your brain into thinking you don't have a choice yeah and then you're getting up and doing it and it's helping so i don't know i haven't tried that yet but i'm, I'm curious See, to know if that works that's where you and i are like so different and like I guess we can post pictures, mm. but every every picture of when we were little, I have this like stupid grin, <laughs> and I'm just like <laughs> like happy to be here. And Taylor is like holding a sword over my head, or wearing has, a Jason mask, or or just has this like I do not want to be here look, and I'm just like happy to be here yeah whatever (laughs) and that included yeah that could not be any more personality so i'm thinking like oh i don't have any trouble doing it it's the fact that there's like 10 15 things i have in one like group of five minutes that i feel like i have to be doing yeah so it's not a matter of i have to get up and do it um so that is a lot how we differ with Mm -hmm. our um well just day-to-day personalities too but I guess just how our anxiety manifests. Yeah, I would definitely say, yeah. Because, I mean, 
not not that you're like a negative person. No. But I'm always like, well, oh my gosh. You're a little more bubbly than I am. <laughs> Just a smidge. Just a smidge. Just a smidge. Um. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I've I've always been that way. Yeah. Like, Which is interesting because I am still very introverted. I yeah. am an introvert because an introvert—it's like the introvert extrovert is actually how you recharge. I think exactly. you and I talked about yes. that. Um, we should let's let's share that again. I the common thought on introvert extrovert is, and a lot of people listening to this probably know this, but um, <laughs> hey, mom and dad. Yeah, hey, mom and dad, um, and that one other person. Who stumbles upon this on accident? <laughs> if you made it this far, if you made it this far, God bless. Uh, like and subscribe. Um, yeah, the the comedy thought is, you know, the extrovert is the one out, you know, dancing around, talking to everybody, having a great time, life at the party, mm-hmm. and the introvert is the wallflower who doesn't want to talk to anyone, is super shy, and but that's not actually how introverted and extroverted people work. And I had a therapist uh, tell me this at one point. Um, yes. and explain this and it made when they explained this to me it made so much more sense because I thought for the longest time I just didn't fit into either camp but uh, yeah. um, really I found out I'm I'm actually an introvert I am fine in social situations like I said I worked for a church for over a decade y- you can't be you know totally introverted and be expected to be in front of people on stage talking to people you know, working with people and and all these kind of things and be a complete wallflower who's shy. It just doesn't work that way. Right. Um, but where I get my recharge from, and what you're saying is where you get yours also is right. is alone time. Is alone time. Correct. Or downtime. Yeah, where you get your recharge, where you fill up your glass, whatever you want to call it. Um, and that's very much me. Yeah. Um, Hunter being at the station, those days used to be my prime time. I would just go mindlessly shopping or i mean not even buying thing but it's just like i've always been very independent yeah and um probably more so than you i guess i i think i think i'm pretty independent too yeah like i like i wouldn't think twice about like going on a trip completely by myself i've i've done it like i've done i go to concerts by myself yeah i've gone to movies by myself and i think a lot of that was um where i learned to really do that was college because mm. uh, a lot of my friends went to a college on the other side of the state from me. And I was, for most of the time I was there, the only person I was really tight with who was going to the same college as me. So um, I didn't have any other like really super close friends that were right. going to the same school as I was. So, when, you know, you learn to eat by yourself. You learn to... <laughs> Sit in the student center you by yourself, study by yourself. by yourself, right? Go to yeah. the store by yourself. You got some time to kill. Go see a movie by yourself. Well, that was me in high school because like my three best friends had boyfriends the entire uh, yeah. entire thing of high school, and I just didn't. That's when you and I hung out because neither of us dated anybody. That's true. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, because that was the time I was in college. Yeah, yeah. And I, I had friends, but they they weren't necessarily on the same schedule as I was, and they weren't going to the. I was a commuter student, so we weren't right. spending a ton of time on campus anyway. But I, I just learned to do things on my own. And I think I'm not upset about that either. I think that's a good oh, skill. Oh, no, I think that's a very good skill, even though sometimes I'm like, okay, I have to mingle yeah. with other people. Yeah. But that's how mom and dad are, kind of. Yeah. I actually, I don't fully know that because 
you could drive down to Dollar General, and Dad's like, you want to go with me? You want to go with me? I have to go to Kroger. You want to go with me? <laughs> you just drive with me. That's true. But then again, very independent. Yeah. Our family dynamic is probably something we should talk about. I've only had to deal, I've only had to notice it more because I am married and the in-laws. Right. So now there's something to compare it to. <clears throat> right. And I guess it's been, I, I mean, and it does shape who you are, I guess, and how you communicate with other people because that's where you learn your yeah. relationship that's building all you have. skills. Yeah. Um, we're always definitely no um, filters, I guess you could <laughs> say. <laughs> Whether yeah, people that, like it or not. I will say this. Our, our parents fought hard for us to keep a filter for yeah. a long time. It just didn't And then they out. have By surrendered. the time we hit, like, high school, it was like, and they, yeah. It it's was just like, whatever. It was pretty evident that the filter was gone. But you had, like, total first kid treatment. I had second baby who cares treatment. Yeah. Not in any way, shape, or form. Not in a negative way, but it was yeah. just, yeah. Taylor couldn't listen to Eminem. I bought an Usher CD in fourth grade. Like, <laughs> and dad and I would literally ride around listening to Eminem. Yeah, yeah. And I was like in middle school. Um, but yeah, probably just definitely no, like, I guess probably less emotional. Yeah. Would you say? Yeah. And not in the fact that we ever had to hide it. It's no, just, it was just, yeah. It was kind of like, it is what it is. It just chill. Oh, well. Yeah. Not sentimental. And I wonder, now that you're mentioning that, I wonder if that's where, because something I always tell people, like, in, in I'm in education, and in education, things change every every minute. <laughs> yes. Like, uh, y- you will walk in one day thinking your day is going to be one way, and it will be the exact opposite. Right. Either. And, and, and that and, will happen five times in one and day. And that will happen five times <laughs> in one day. So it's something that, you know, I have coworkers who just freak when things change um because they're they're upset and they're they're anxious and they're you know actually i want to say probably most of the people i work with are on some kind of anxiety medication right um there's i forget the statistic but i'll have to look it up for next time but there's some ungodly number of teachers within their first three years on the job and how many of them get put on an anxiety medication is i don't doubt that i could not handle parents it's yeah. So so you know, there are these things that happen that are out of their control that happen and they spiral. Right. Um for me, a lot of the times things that I can't control don't bother me at all. Yeah. Because there's nothing I I'm completely confident and certain that there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. And it still may like be scary. But yeah, but you find a comfort in there's it. a comfort for me in knowing that there's nothing I can do about it. I think that is because a good it, place to stay. Yeah. And, I, and this is all starting to like click in my head, like going back to the avoidance thing. No one's waiting on me to fix <laughs> it. No one's expecting me. Is. <laughs> okay, go on. No one's expecting me to do anything about it. It's something completely out of my control. No one's going to be upset at me over it. Yeah. And the responsibility is on somebody else. Um, right. So it's not an urgency to you. Right. Yeah. So why 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 bother getting upset about it? That's just how my brain works. Um when it's something that like I need I need to get these 10 things done and everybody wants them at the same time mm. and everybody wants them this <laughs> certain way 
and everybody waited till the last minute to ask me for them, <laughs> that's when I spiral. Because now mm. people are waiting on me. They are my responsibility. They Even if they're unfair, they still have to get done. And yeah. they all have to get done now. Those are the times where I am crippled. See, so that's interesting. That's making I think more I'm sense. The complete opposite of that. Yeah. Most people are. There's not a lot of people I've found that think the same way I do. Like I, I told Hunter the other day, I was like, I thrive in a chaotic environment <laughs> because my, I'm just, I guess it's that nervous energy, you know, and yeah. that's where I'm just like, okay, easy. And like, if we need 10 different things done right then, then I'll have it done like in five minutes and I don't care. But if it's the completely not out of my control, then that just means I'm going to sit there and dread uh, for I don't know how long. Well, see, I feel like I thrive in chaos too, but in a different way. Like, take this past year. Mm-hmm. You know, in education, like, it was really just a survival mentality. Right. No one's expecting miracles. Mm-hmm. No one's expecting miraculous test scores. No right. one's expecting, you know, mm-hmm. everything to be perfect. And so then I kind of get to like, I feel my shoulders release a little bit. Well, see, that's my jaw unclenches. That's how you just described um, the thing of saying like the avoidance. Yeah. So that's it. Actually, is kind of similar, I guess. But I guess my chaos is like it's a responsibility thing. Like, no one's looking at me. No one's expecting me. No one's waiting on me. And because because then I can put the focus on something else and just go. Okay. Well. That we're just gonna do our best, and you know, but you know, I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna do my job, best of my ability. But right, I'm, uh, no one is like, I don't have, you know, people come in to observe me as much. I don't have people trying to like expect all these, you know, administrative things out of me and all the other part of the job that people don't really know about. Yeah. Um, no one's expecting that, so I can kind of like, oh, okay, cool. Well, as long as the pressure's off, that's why. Like honestly, like I know the pandemic was a huge source of anxiety for Mm -hmm. so many people and scared for their loved ones and scared for the world and scared for if they're going to get sick and 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 the depression that comes with being you know locked up in the in their house or alone or whatever unpopular opinion i was living my best life (laughs) i was thriving because no one expected me to do shit (laughs) and and (laughs) And at my job, no one expected miracles, and, like, everything yeah. was good. Like, I yeah. was fine. I was really fine. I know that that's not how the world should work. Oh, right. You know, like, <laughs> I'm happy that we're back, uh, that we're seeing a comeback into, quote-unquote, normalcy. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, it didn't bother me at all. Oh, no, it like definitely didn't bother me at all lockdown. being an introvert. Yeah. But I guess the surprising part is people always, I mean, people know that, Hunter, my husband, his feathers get ruffled over nothing. At most, it's if somebody sold something for a really good deal and he didn't get it. At most. <laughs> you have to understand, Kate's husband, Hunter, is, is a wheeler and a dealer. Like, he, yes. he can, he's one of those people that could take a paper clip and, tra- and keep trading up, and then he owns a house. Like, and, like, two trades, he's, which he's is stupid. So, when I when you when you would say what do you, what do you think are one of Hunter's biggest pet peeves not getting a deal and someone else getting it yes. is probably in the top three. That's the only thing that's going to get his feathers ruffled. Yeah. Um. Or us being out of ice cream. <laughs> that's literally it, and it's not even a ruffle. It's just like, oh, 
and that's it. Um, where I'm in the constant state of panic. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but it does flip whenever. And so you would think whenever Blair acts up in public, and it's just her being a toddler, or whatever, um, people would think I would freak out. And it's the dead opposite. Hunter yeah. wants to go to the car. He yeah. hates it. And I'm just like, oh, I'm fine. Yeah. Like, she's screaming the target, then good. I noticed that when we were on vacation. Like, he yeah. talked about it a little bit. And I was like, oh, I didn't know. Yeah, it's, Cause, it's cause, so weird. Cause you, but it's the again. chaos that I'm just like, I'm, like, everybody's coming up to my level. You know, so maybe that's it. I'm like, yes, I have friends up here in yeah. this constant state of like oh, pandelirium. You're as you're as drawn up in a knot as I am now. Yeah, yeah it's like, okay, what are we gonna do, boys? Like, yeah. oh, I'm sorry, Hunter, are you uncomfortable? Yeah, <laughs> it's like I'm fine. I was born in it. It's like Hunter or Blair yeah. will literally be like screaming, will be dragging her on the go- or in the shopping cart, like she's just screaming up and down, doing whatever. And Hunter's like, we have to go. We have to go. I'm like, oh no, I'm just gonna go over here. I'm like, because maybe that is just my normal it's state so of mind. It's funny to me because just to put some background on this, um, <clears throat> Kate's husband and I were friends. Yeah. Uh, when I started going to the church we all used to go to. Correct. So I've known my brother-in-law since he was a middle schooler. Yeah. Well, I'm saying I mean I met him when he was thirteen. Yeah. So. Um, we didn't date till we were twenty. Yeah. So like. It's not like I I know him pretty well. Yeah. And I also know that for a good long time in his life, doing something embarrassing in public was not something that bothered him. Was not an issue. No. Like he would do goofy stuff all the time. Being friends with him was rough. Uh, He would do, like, the first thing that's come to mind is being at a restaurant and him, like, talking to the waitress and purposefully ordering scrimps (laughs) instead of shrimp off the menu like things he thinks is like those things he thinks are hysterical so the fact that then like napoleon dynamite is like the best movie ever (laughs) well he's seen like what three movies yeah he's seen napoleon Dynamite. right three times um the fact that then like the blair thing like her acting up in public embarrassed like her like kind of freaks him out embarrasses him whatever right it's funny to me like i don't know yeah it's because like it it just it like it I guess we'd have to ask him. Hey, I mean, he, no, he says, he was like, it stresses me out. Wow. Stresses me out. And I, like, that is the only time I see Hunter Aston stressed out. Yeah, he's usually pretty cool. I mean, good Lord. Yeah, that's um, true. So, yeah. I think, But I think it really is, I thrive in a panic environment. <laughs> I, You know what? I hate to say this, but history has shown me that I end up doing that, too. Oh, yeah. Like, I, one of my best friends and I were talking about this the other day. Um, uh, we both have our undergrads are in history. And um, I was talking about how I would, in college, I'm a master procrastinator. Oh. So going back to avoidance. Going yeah. back to the we're, we're really bringing up that theme today. I would wait till the day before a, a paper was due regardless of the length. Like, I vividly remember starting 10-page papers the day before they were due. Oh, God. Um, staying up all night, getting it done, sleeping for maybe two hours, getting up in the morning, keep working on it, skipping a class, thinking, okay, well, I'll go to my next class. You know, I'll be done before I go to my next class. Right. Skipping that class because I'm still <laughs> not done. Finally getting it done just in time to rush to my class and hand it in. Um, like, did that a billion times. It would make... 
high B's, A's, yeah, whatever. One time I was like, I can't do this. It was at the mm. end of a, of a semester. I had three final papers due all within like a day of each other. Um, I was like, I can't do that this time. Like it's physically impossible. So yeah. I had a 10 page paper due for a British history class. And I spent, I started two weeks ahead of time, which is, I knew other people I went to college with like two weeks. That's not enough time. But like yeah. that was an eternity for yeah. me. Um, started two weeks, spent tons of hours in the library, did, I mean, probably the most thorough, quote unquote, correct job on a paper. Got a C plus. Yeah. No, I think the best work comes from that. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I hate, I hate that. I wish I could do quality work ahead of time, but I just don't. I think, so I don't fully, I always thought I was more of a procrastinator, but mom swears up and down that I wasn't in school. Um, But I think a lot of things, and I do get on Hunter's nerves because he's like, you have an idea and you want to do it like right now. But it's because, like, up until that happens, said if it happens, I'm going to have that nervous energy, like, if it's something negative, like, I'll have dread mm-hmm. or whatever. And so if I can control that and, like, nip that time in the bud, then, like, I'm good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's where I just, ugh. Like, if I have, even if I have, I mean, going back to my health anxiety, if I have, like, a physical coming up. And I know I'm good. Mm-hmm. My cholesterol maybe should be lower. Um, but I'm just like, oh, God, they're going to do blood work. Like, what if they find something? And I'm just like, oh, God. It's leukemia. Like, <laughs> I don't even, even say that, Taylor. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but um, I'm just always like, oh, gosh, like, I wish they could just go ahead and get my labs done. Like, so I can just know. Yeah. I just have to know. That's, like, yeah, always my thing. Yeah. So Waiting on labs sucks. Yeah. Even and when I'm you know like, you're fine. Okay, I'm fine. Oh, well, yeah. anything else you want to add to your your episode here? <laughs> uh, no. Sorry, Mom and Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Our two listeners. Maybe, Shout out to Mom and Dad. Hopefully, at least. Yeah, minimum. Dad will probably be like, I, I'll, I'll get I around to watching it. The first 10 minutes. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, if you are joining us and aren't part of our immediate friends or family, thank you yes. uh, for giving us the time of day. Hopefully this wasn't too terrible. Um, yeah. We'll get funnier. It will get funnier. Yeah. These first couple episodes, like I said, are are, are just sort of intros to, to us. And we've got some ideas for episodes that we want to do that are a little more themed and topic specific later yes. on. Um, <laughs> but We just fully... I mean, essentially, we're just going to make fun of each other yeah. and, what, and make fun of ourselves. Yeah. And I feel like, too, our our family revolves around telling stories. <clears throat> yeah. And so I feel like that's something that we can... Um, telling stories, making fun of one person. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, if you can do those things, then you're invited to our, oh, yeah. our house. Yeah. Because that's right. always how it is. Well, cool. That's right. episode one. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, again... Um, if you're whatever platform you're listening to this on, be that Spotify, Apple, um, wherever it is, please, please go give us a rating. Um, uh, leave us a comment. Uh, uh, you can email us. We'll have, try to have that in the description, some links for you guys to interact with us on social media and, uh, things yeah. like that. So, uh, please do, please let us know yeah, if you liked it. Yeah, tell us what you do to um, freak out. If, if we did something so horrible that you just can't not say something, shoot us. 
why not shoot us a message we'll we're we're open to some criticism why not um and then if you hate us you can just like not leave a review <laughs> yeah don't do that don't leave us a review if you didn't like it <laughs> only those review if you did um but if we at least got like a four yeah. We'll take fours and fives. Anything lower than a like a three. Because just, remember, we have anxiety. We'll dwell on it. Yeah, we'll be up all night thinking about it. Yeah. So, all right. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much. Until next time, see ya.